Logical Progression, Year 3, Lesson 6. For those folks online and the people here, Zakumullah Khair for your patience, we had a sound problem. Just just one second, the problem, you know what the problem is? Mm-hmm. Let me tell you what the problem is. The problem is, is that when you can't sack someone, Yanni, because he's the only person. <laughs> Let me know when you. That's the real problem. You know what I'm saying? I will sack you so bad, I would make you an ayah for the sacking of people. I would make Adam Sugar look like a nursery child. I would make you make all of the people in Apprentice look great. Mm. Let me know when you're ready so I can put the page light, huh? <laughs> Are we actually live, Shaz? Are you sure? Yeah. Bob's, please check. <laughs> Bob's, please check, Bob's. I'm not trusting you at all one little bit. Yeah, fine. Are you sure? Yeah. Check on your thingy. Ask the people, can they hear and see everything that I'm saying right now? I refuse to say another word until I have confirmation from the other side of the world that I'm being seen clearly and heard clearly. You're alive, don't worry. <coughs> this is why dentists make so much money. You know one thing I'm going to make sure? You know, you, you, know, you, know, you know when you're in doubt about whether to put someone on a day rate or whether you give them the job? Because you know you don't trust them to do a proper day's work. You know what I'm saying, yeah? I'll give you dentists. Chess? 100% confirmation. I was saying that if I could sack Shazad, I just wanted to say exactly for your patience online. <clears throat> if I could sack Shazad, I would sack him so badly, I would make him an ayah and an example for the nations to come. For the nations to come. I would show not only Alan Sugar, but Donald Trump, and every single person just how you sack someone. Abu Dhar, no? No, okay, Abu Dhar said no. But I still would, okay? The problem is, is that we are utterly dependent upon Shazad. He's the only guy, which is a lesson why you never be dependent upon only one guy. That is why you never be dependent upon only one guy, otherwise your best is going to happen. And, there we go. Anyway, alhamdulillah, Shazad, and he learned his lesson today, he didn't say, mashallah. He cussed me when I sat down and he goes, you see, we're always ready. Shit. <laughs> All right, so I think we are, um, what are we? I didn't even see Wallah, I didn't have time to look at Widad's uh, normal reminder. Where, where are we exactly, do we know? I think we finished, yeah, with all that, yeah, I think we're done, so I don't think I can handle any more hermaphrodites. I swear I can't, they didn't want nothing, man. I was dreaming of hermaphrodites. Oh my goodness me. That's enough of hermaphrodites, I can't do it anymore. So I think we're on the next one then, isn't it? Uh, Shall I show me the uh, uh, notes? 4B. 4B, yeah? Right. One second. Uh. Mm-hmm. Let's see what. 5. Yes, exactly. 5. Very good. So, from what we're doing then today is from the invalidators of Vodok, 
we are doing number five, okay? Number five on our list, which is a male touching a woman or her touching him because of sexual desire, because of sexual desire, okay? We maybe even do number six as well, which is touching the anus, and quite possibly, well, maybe, I don't know, uh, maybe even do the rest as well. It's a very good lesson today, mashallah. Enjoy Danny, preparing for this. So let's start off with the first one. Uh, uh, Sheikh Al-Uthameen says on page 286, and his touching a woman with desire. This is the Sheikh says, this is the fifth of the invalidators of wudu. And the pronoun his is referring to a man. And this man, uh, Sheikh Al-Uthameen, he says, he goes that, he goes that the way that a text has mentioned this person, he's left it uh, unrestricted, open. Therefore, that includes every single type of male. And so therefore he goes, so there's no difference between whether the person is small or big, young or old, or someone who is aqil uh, or majnoon, sane or insane, and someone who is a free or a slave. Uh, the reason he gives these three categories is that these are the three categories in which normally a fiqh ruling will differ. And so therefore there's been no indication whether it's just one of these categories or not. All of these people are potentially uh, included, okay? And Sheikh also said that um, according to the madhab, it has also not been specified whether it's the palm of the hand. So according to the way it's been mentioned, it's any type of touch, not even with the palm of the hand, all right? So according, therefore, to the Hanbalis, any part of the, uh, from his body, any part of his body that touches another part of the of the female's body that will then break the wudu if there is shahwa what is shahwa as we said last time the word shahwa desire which we will say desire is referring to sexual desire okay and so obviously we're talking as well as we mentioned before and we will come again this is talking about skin to skin contact this is skin to skin contact now sheikh says that the uh, the ba in bishahwatin ba is the ba of musahaba, meaning that a person touches a touches a, a male touches a woman with sexual contact, uh, with sexual uh, desire. Very pardon. And some of them said lishahwa, meaning that they the, the lamb here then becomes the lamb of ta'alil, meaning that they touch the other person because of sexual desire. So the sexual desire is there before, and then a person then touches another one now that is a big change of course there's a big difference between the two a person touching and sexual uh, desire being developed and that breaking will go and someone who's already uh, 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 had sexual desire or having sexual desire and they touch the other person obviously the second one the second one to make it into a lamb meaning this is a reason it's something which the text as it stands does not support and we are not talking about that obviously if we say that it breaks because of this uh, that, that it is uh, you break the law because of touching with sexual desire if you had it already and then you touch that's much more serious breaking or more easily broke if you like wudu according to the humbly madhab he goes then woman al-mar'atun touching a female the Sheikh says that al-mar'a is a word which is only used for al-baligha, meaning post-pubescent. So we are talking someone who has gone through puberty. He says, although technically speaking, for a woman, when you say the word mar'a, it is not a condition that she has gone through puberty. But some of the scholars, they said that seven years old is a bare minimum for this. Seven years old is bare minimum for this to happen whether the person is the one touching or the one being touched. Sheikh Uthameen says, وَفِيهِ نَظَرْ He goes, if you want, if you, to be honest, he goes, I'm not, not too sure about that. I don't like that, that, that idea. Because he goes, to be honest, most of the time, لَأَنَ الْغَالِبِ فِي مَنْ كَانَ لَهُ سَبْعَ سَنَوَاتِ أَنْهُ لَأَيْدِرِهُ عَنْ هَذِي الْأُمُورِ شَيْئَةً He goes, most seven-year-olds don't even know anything what's going on about this touching or being touched uh, issue. And so therefore, he goes, some of the scholars, بعض العلماء, they said actually it's when a person desires another one, desires, sexually starts to desire. So then, uh, what ages were mentioned? Because some of the scholars, they said that for the men, it is 10 years old. It is 10 years old. Now, I don't know the science of this. I don't even know if that's yeah, possible or not. But uh, 10 years old apparently, is that any medical thing? Any in that? There's a range, isn't there? There's a range of 
what's the youngest range? We always have this kind of puberty in our mind, but 10 years old for a male, possible, yeah. And for the females, it's nine years old, completion of nine years old. Whoever has passed ten, uh, nine years old. So basically, what Sheikh Adamin says, he goes, if we take this definition, it's much better. Meaning that the, the issue is only applied to people who it can actually happen to. It shouldn't be just a set age and apply it to people. It should be rather, if you feel sexual desire, then you become involved in this issue. If you are touched and you feel sexual desire, or you are having sexual desire and you touch, or feel, it, feel a desire when you touch, then it's only applicable, this ruling, if you are actually of the age to understand and feel sexual desire. And so therefore the age is irrelevant. That's, uh, the, the, this is the position um, of Sheikh Uthameen and it's a correct position. He then says that the people of knowledge have, have uh, uh, the, the, the opinion on this matter has divided into a number of opinions. The first opinion, Al-Qawr al and that's the position of the Hamli Madhab, is that the one who touches a female with sexual desire breaks their wuhu. What are the evidences? The evidences are, uh, Shaz, if you can bring up on the screen. Did you find these uh, five and six? Of yeah. Ma'ida? Yep. Um, Sheikh says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Ma'ida, or that you, uh, I, will, I will show you now the, the translation on screen. Is, it, is that on screen now? Uh, no, it's not. Do you want it on the screen? Yeah. I want to be able to actually read the uh, the English. How's that going to happen? So, um, in Surah Al-Ma'idah, in verse 6, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in the verses of Vudu, the two verses of Vudu, which we will cover properly in detail, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Mm-hmm. Oh, you who believe when you rise up for your prayer, wash your face and your hands up to the elbows and your heads and then your feet up to the ankles. And if you are uh, sexually impure, then purify yourselves. Okay. This translation is like the worst ever. All right. So uh, that was a complete waste of time. If you are not unclean, if you are junuban, okay, Allah says, meaning you are in a state of sexual impurity, then it is the complete thingy. After this, you need to get rid of this and get a proper one, yeah? A Khan or something. Um, and then you will take a full bath. Now, uh, because this doesn't show it very clearly, but I'm, ju- I'm just showing you this in advance, okay? The first part of the ayah was what? Talking about using water for wudu, and then it was a case of if you then become into a sexual state, of impurity, then you use wudu, meaning the complete ghusl. Okay? Right. Then, 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 it says, uh, where are we? Uh, you've gone down, you've gone up. What have you done? Shut, 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 go up. Uh, I, I can't see the, the, the thingy. No, 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 the, the English. Right. So, uh, what about Different translation, Okay, so oh you who believe yeah, there we are, right? Okay. When you intend to offer the prayer, wash your hands and faces and so on, this will look. And then if you are in a state of janaba, okay, i.e. after sexual discharge, then bathe your whole body. I want you to put a stop there. Actually, I want you to, to mentally put a stop after up to the ankles. That's a mental stop. You can call that uh, A1. A2 is if you are in a state of janaba, then purify yourself. That's A2. Then you can start B1. But if you are ill or on a journey or any of you comes or, or any of you comes after answering the call of nature, going to a toilet, or you have been in contact with women, now forget the brackets. Okay? Obviously brackets, that's the problem with brackets, is that they ruin your yani reading, yes? Or if you have been in contact with women and you find no water, then perform tayammum with clean earth and rub there, there with your faces and your hands. That last part, but if you are ill or on a journey or any of you comes after answering the call of nature, that is B1. And then B2 is or you have been in contact with women and you find no water, then perform tayammum. 
I need you to understand this because we're going to come back to this in this class to understand how the scholars understood these four, this whole ayah divided into almost four kind of components. It's actually very interesting. The point is this, is that awlamastamunnisa translates as or you have been in contact with women, physical contact with women. The lems and the mas are the same thing. Lems and mas linguistically are the same thing, meaning a physical touch. Okay, so Allah says that if you have, been, you have physically come in contact with women, then you make tayammum. Right. Now we'll just stop right there. Allah in the uh, Quran says, Awlamastamunisa, and then in the other new recitations that are narrated, okay, from the ten recitations, second of course, Abu Tawatira, three are Lamastumunisa. So it is no lamb. It is no alif on the lamb. Okay. Oh, Lamastumunisa. Same same meaning. And Sheikh as Sheikh says here, Walmasu walamsu ma'nahuma wahi. Wahwal jassu bil yad aw bi ghayriha. Fayakun masul maru masul marata naqidan lil wudu. Therefore, if you understand this linguistically, this ayah, it basically says if you touch a woman with sexual desire, then you have to make wudu. You have to make wudu because lamps and mas are the same thing. And then, Sheikh says, if it says that the ayah, if, if someone says that the verse does not mention shahwa, and it doesn't, does it? It says if you come into physical contact, it doesn't actually say sexual desire. This is, of course, the Shafi'i opinion. You see, in the Shafi'i madhab, they said that it doesn't matter about a sexual desire or not, if there's a touch, that's basically enough. All right. So they said, if it said, if if someone says there's no mention of desire in the ayah, then uh, uh, if 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 this was meant to be the case, Allah would have said, if That's what Allah would have said. If the if the desire was the was the condition, Sheikh says that the answer to this is that madhmat al hadith that. What actually caused, he goes, let's step back a bit and work out what, what we're doing here. What we're trying to work out here. We're trying to work out what breaks wudu. What is it that breaks wudu? What is it that is the actual problem? He goes, the, the problem, the problem is the emission of sexual fluid, which is a result of sexual desire. Therefore, that thing which would lead to that is the, is the problem. Just like, the, like we gave the sleep example. It's not the sleep itself which is a problem, it's what happens in sleep. And so therefore, if we know that the thing which is going to break your wudu happens in sleep, definitely, then it's sleep itself which will then become the breaker of wudu. Does that make sense? Because what is going to happen in the sleep is what's going to break the wudu, i.e. the passing of wind, don't know where your hands are, etc., etc., etc. So hereby the same thing, that if the issue in, in the terms of touching is about sexual desire taking person to, set, to a set level where they break the wudu, then it is the actual touching which also therefore breaks the wudu. Now, he said, then Shepard Demin, he goes, what supports, our what supports the position of the Hanbali Madhab is the hadith of the Prophet when he was praying to Hajjad, and Aisha radiallahu anha, she had outstretched her legs, um, and of course the, their, their room was very, very small. All right, their sleeping their, their their sleeping quarters was very very small, and they were sleeping on the floor, of course. And so, therefore, when he was praying for her for her feet, and as he went for idharat sujood, when he went down to sajda, he would have to literally push her feet out of the way so that he could he could make uh, sajda. And so he goes, if it, it was only a touch that was going to break the wudu then the Prophet would have broken his wudu and he would have then had to have left the salah. But he didn't leave the salah and he carried on praying. So we know that definitely the meaning of this verse is not any touch, but it's got to be a touch with sexual desire. He then said, he goes also, he goes, think about this. He goes, can you imagine if this was the reality that just touching a woman would be then the reason to make a wudu. This would create a huge difficulty in the religion. He goes from a number of uh, he goes from from a number of angles. He goes a very very few people would be safe from this situation. For example, if someone has a mother, a mother who is elderly and needs to be looked after physically all the time. So he's already assuming, obviously, your mother. You want to be in physical contact with her. And if you, if you are saying 
that physical contact is the problem, then you can't make a differentiation with your mother either. You can't make a differentiation with your child either if you're saying it's physical contact with the other sex. So then therefore you'd have a problem there. He goes, what about if you have a child or uh, a patient of some sort? He actually mentions a child who's disabled and needs help, uh, someone who's blind and needs guiding and so on and so forth. He goes, this would be way, way too much difficult. It doesn't make, and it would be against the, 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 it would be against the system of the Sharia. It would be against the system of the Sharia. That's the position number one. Humbly method. He goes, Al-Qawla Thani, the second position, is that any touching breaks the wudu, as we just mentioned, the Shafi'i position. He goes that it doesn't matter if there is shahwa or if there's any intention. He goes, nothing. And what's the evidence for this? The generality of the ayah. The ayah says if you physically touch the women, and khalas. Once you've accepted that opinion, then there's nothing uh, uh, going on. He goes, what did they say about the hadith of Aisha? What did they say about the hadith of Aisha? Anyone want to make a defense of the Shafi'is? If we use this hadith against them and say, what about this hadith of Aisha? How would you rationally try and defend yourself? Is it about Muhammad or They didn't say that. And I would also need an evidence as well. But Zani, you're right. That could be that could be one example. No, but it's, a, it's an acceptable answer. Yeah. Anyone? So what, what, what was it then? Yeah, I guess that works as well. Yeah, that's good. Well done. He said, he said that they said that the Prophet it is possible, it is possible that the Messenger of Allah touched her with his nail. Or, and remember as we're going to come to, if you touch with the nail, the nail and hair have separate rulings. They are separate, not beings, they are separate what? Separate something from the body. What are they? Separate what? They have no feeling, they have no life, they have no nothing, so they are separate. They have a hukumun fasil. They have a separate ruling. When it comes to touch, they have a separate ruling. What's the, uh, what, 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 am I, what am I trying to call them? Extension, like an extension, yes, like an extension. Passive. Uh, passive, yeah, they're not they're not part of the actual body, right? So he says, al-dhufr, they have a hukum on fasil. They have a separate ruling. They are considered to be separate from the body, okay? Or it's possible that he touched her with a barrier, meaning that the linguistic meaning of that he moved his, her legs away, and it doesn't suggest that actually he might have been wearing something or the legs were covered, there was something in between the skin. So that's possible. So they said that if there is a possibility of various options in an evidence, this is a qaida usuliya by the way, if there is a possibility of, of various options in an evidence, the evidence loses its right to be used as an evidence. I don't know how that, that was the worst transition ever. If possibilities enter the situation, it's not possible to use it as an evidence. Makes sense, yeah? Because there's other possibilities. It's not even... You know, a delil... Remember, let's step back. Delil is evidence, isn't it? When we say, what's your delil? But in linguistically, delil is that which leads you to something. So, so if a delil is leading you here, there, 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 it's not a delil anymore, is it? It's got to be the proof of something else. And so therefore, it's not going to be used as an evidence. Okay? Um, anyway, Sheikh Uthameen goes, to be honest, this is not a great answer. It's not yeah, any very clear answer. He goes, the third position, Al-Qawl Al-Thalith, is that actually touching a woman doesn't break wudu at all. Whether you have shahwa or uh, yani any form of touching. Any form of touching. He even says private parts to private parts. Okay, he goes even private parts to private parts in touching, touching even if there is shahwa. Okay, what's the evidence for this? Sheikh Uthameen says, number one, the hadith of Aisha that the Prophet وسلم, would. What's happening, Shaz? I don't know what's going on. We're having a power surgery. We lost. Uh, we got no flying. Just now. Give me a second. Happened about three times. Four times. Did the lights go off? 
Yeah, that's why anything decent. So how comes the rest and nothing went off then? The I mean, we know that one. The 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 the, 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 the Wyckoff one. Completely. Give me a second. Let me just get back on. Know what we should be doing, right? We should be doing this lesson on my iPhone no. on 4G. I'm telling you right now, I made this. I did the most awesome lesson in history. Okay, off my phone like that, like that. Guess I can't even do it. Did you see it? Did you get to it, brother? Shut up! Don't lie, either. Say, custom you saw it. It was good, yeah. Amazing. Amazing sound, video, all off on phone. Who needs Shazad? Tell me that. <laughs> just, just have compared this phone. He's been replaced by the thing he loves. By the thing he loves. How can that? This is life. Bittersweet, yani reality. Person defends it all his life, all his life. Exactly. Come and kill him at night time when he was sleeping. He didn't realize. Boom, gone. Look at all this, yani microphones. Look at this. Look. Even when I even like, I look, I start getting scared. Then I look at this. <laughs> we on chess? Live. Yeah. Everyone there still there, still there, yeah? No one's run off. Bobs? Yeah. Is it true? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. Can you please send a message to the other side of the world and get the confirmation? Yeah. Can you also ask them should we sack Shazad Yani twenty six times? <laughs> and can can some of them then suggest a few alternatives as well? We should have a collection. Tell them if they're really, really freaked out by what's happening. Yeah? Tell them, let's have a whip around. We buy an iPhone 6 Plus for the class. Which I would look after in the week, yeah, Because, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know what I mean? Someone's got someone's to look after it. I'm going to let you look after it. Obviously, it's not going to happen, is it? You know what I'm saying? Yeah? Yeah, yeah I'm sure you will look after it, yeah. Right, so, okay, folks, sorry about that. We had a power cut. Which, uh, or power surge, or cut, or I don't know what happened. But uh, we lost you. But we're back again. So we said that the third position is that it is allowed to touch and it is unrestricted, meaning that if someone touches, their break wudu is not broken. Whether there's shahwa or not shahwa, it doesn't matter. Okay? And the hadith, the, the evidences are as follows. The first is the hadith of Aisha, that the Prophet ﷺ used to kiss some of his wives and then leave for the prayer. And he would not make wudu after that. So he would kiss some of his wives and then he would leave for Salah and he would not make wudu after that. I tell you what's very interesting. <laughs> the, this hadith <coughs> has been narrated by her nephew, uh, Urwa ibn Zubair. He goes, while he is hearing this, he goes, to be honest, he goes, I think, Yani, when you say some of these wives, I think you're talking about yourself, aren't you? Yeah? And she laughed, Yanni, she laughed. Huh? So she knew that she was guilty, Yanni, yeah? This is, I like the way that you date, Yanni, you know? Some of his wives, Yanni, myself. <laughs> excellent, Allah, excellent. So, okay then. Uh, this hadith has been narrated by, by, uh, right, and this hadith is very interesting. This hadith is fascinating from a hadith sciences point of view. And that's why there's a whole one page as you can see, of takhrij and tahkir of the hadith. Because this hadith has been narrated by Abu Ahmed and Abu Dawood and Al-Nasai and Al-Tirmidhi and Ibn Majah, all of the Imams of the Sunan. Okay, all of the Imams of the Sunan. What is a Sunan? What's a Sunan? A Sunan is a hadith, we were doing this last weekend, a hadith collection which is based upon topics of fiqh. 
Yeah, it's based upon the law. So wudu and salah and zakah and so on. That's what a sunan is. It doesn't get involved in the kind of like, you know, like dreams and this and that and, you know, whatever. It's not like a jamr. It's not like everything, like Sahih Bukhari, for example. So all of the imams of the sunnah narrated this hadith, most of them in the chapter of wudu, because they're trying to prove that it doesn't break wudu. However, however, and all of them, they collected this with their own chains on the authority of waqiyah, on the authority of Amash, on the hadith, or on the authority of Habib ibn Abi uh, Thabit, on the authority of Aisha. And Imam al-Bukhari said that this hadith has an illa. Now you remember in hadith sciences, the word illa means it has a hidden fault. Okay, the hadith has an, a hidden fault. Remember the word illa in fiqh and usul of fiqh means the sharia reason for something. The illa behind this is that. Whereas in hadith, illa means a hidden fault. Plural, illal. These are the things that people can't see. Not only did Bukhari consider this hadith to be weak, also Abu Hatim and Abu Dawood and Adar Qutni and Imam al Nawawi and Ibn Hajar. So, a number of the scholars they consider this hadith to be weak. Anyway, there's a lot of back and forth, a lot of back and forth. I want to say that Ibn Taymiyyah he said that the most that you can say about this chain is that there is some kind of irsal going on, meaning the actual, there has been some uh, companion, uh, basically that there's some kind of break in the chain. He goes, but even this break in the chain has been covered by, by Imam al-Bazar and other scholars, um, and therefore this hadith is acceptable. And he says, uh, and it also says here, that Imam Ahmed used this hadith, and Ibn Abdul Bar, he also considered this hadith to be Sahih. Now, back to our notes. Sheikh Uthameen now speaking. He says, hadith on Sahih. He's very clear about his position. He considers hadith to be absolutely authentic. And he goes, Wallahu shawahid muta'addida. He goes that uh, it has many supporting evidences. It's clear he's very aware of the controversy behind this hadith. Otherwise, he would never have said this is an authentic hadith. He doesn't feel pressurized to say it, and he would never have said, and it has loads of supporting evidences, except that he himself knows that there is doubt about the hadith. So he's saying, this hadith is authentic, it has plenty of supporting evidences, and this is very good and a positive evidence for us, and it shows that basically, he goes that, he goes, if a person kisses someone, it is very, very unlikely that that happens without any sexual desire. So therefore, one has to assume that if a person can kiss another one, another one, a kiss a woman, um, and it doesn't break the wudu, and you don't have to then make your wudu again, that the shahwa is not a problem, that the actual desire is not a problem. And then he goes into what he's already been saying. The second evidence for this position is the fact that uh, he goes that the basic principle is that one does not break wudu until it is clearly established that one does, and it needs a clear evidence. And then the third one, is exactly the same as the second, as we've said, that the the uh, uh, state of purity is something which is established with the Sharia evidence. Once it has been established, it requires a complete clear Sharia evidence itself to remove it. And there's a subtle difference between two and three. And we've been saying this all the way through. He's been using this argument all the way through. The first one is that the basic principle is that you're in your state and you need to remove it. You need to show me that you've changed my state. And the third one subtly different. He goes that my new state was established, my new state of purity has been established with a clear Sharia evidence. You want to knock me off my state and say that I have lost my wudu because of X, Y, Z, you need to bring a complete Dalil Shari, a legislated clear evidence without any doubt whatsoever. Now, they said that... Um, what, how did they respond to the issue of the ayah? Allah says, that, and you touch the women. Okay? So, what is this? They said that this refers to sexual intercourse. This touch, this lamps, is not the normal lamps, but this is sexual intercourse. And how are we going to establish that? They said this has been authentically narrated from Abdullah ibn Abbas. This has been authentically narrated from Abdullah ibn Abbas. May Allah be pleased with him and his father. And this is someone, now check out Shaykh Uthameen now. He's now going to really support his evidence now. He goes, who do you think Abdullah ibn Abbas is? That's the one, 
upon which the Prophet ﷺ made dua for him specifically, oh Allah, teach him the understanding of ta'weel. Ilm ta'weel, meaning how to understand the Qur'an. So this is his speciality. This is his speciality. And therefore, when we're ever about to take any person's opinion in the meaning of an ayah, it is his that must be taken first. It is his that, that must be taken first. The second evidence, he goes, he goes, actually, if you look at the way that the verses are divided, and this is what I was telling you, he goes that you can see that there is a four-stage thing going on. Two parts, two things. If you look at the first part, Shaz, okay, if you look at the first part, I'll bring the ayah up on the screen. The, if you look, he goes that we have water being used in two stages. All you who believe, if you're about to stand for the prayer, wash your faces and your hands and so on and so forth, okay? All of that is referring to what? Wudu. And this is wudu using pure, using water. So this is the asal, the yani, when you're watering, you're using uh, water as your original state, your original, uh, 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 what's the word, original what? You're using water as your, your water, you, the, the cleansing, the cleanser, or whatever, yep. So you're using water. The second part of that is then to wash your entire body. So this is wudu, then ghusl. He goes, then we go to the, then the verse then turns to the replacement for water. What's the replacement for water? Dust. So now the verses of tayammum start. Yes? And the tayammum is likewise split into two. What does it say? If you are ill or on a journey, or if any of you comes after answering the call of uh, comes after answering the call of nature, this is the wudu part because we know that when you go to the uh, toilet, you only break wudu, right? You don't have to have a bath. Then, or you have been in contact with women and you find no water, then perform tayammum. Sheikh Uthameen says is that if you want to follow the balagha of the Quran, meaning the beauty of the Quran and the Quranic language, there has to be a symmetry. There has to be two here and two there. So two have been mentioned. Water has been split into two, wudu and ghusl. Now we're talking about tayammum. It's been split into two. The going to the toilet and then the second part. What is the representative of the uh, janaba on the first part? It is touching women. It can't be touching because then it would be included in the first group. Because if it was just breaking wudu, it would have just been included in the first group. No, this is referring to intercourse. So the verse itself in its symmetry indicates what we're trying to say. That obviously is a logical Quranic style argument, not strong enough. What makes it super strong, of course, is when Abdullah ibn Abbas comes down and says that is actually the meaning that the Prophet ﷺ intended, that this is talking about intercourse. And it is interesting that this is the opinion, the opinion that the number three, that it is permissible to touch. It is uh, that uh, the, the one does not break their wudu, whatever they're feeling when they touch a woman. This is a position of Ali ibn Abi Talib. Abdullah ibn Abbas, Ata, okay, Ata from Tabi'in, Tawus from Tabi'in, Tawus, and it is a narration from Imam Ahmed himself, and of course, most most famously and most importantly, I should add, this is the madhab of Abu Han of the Hanafi madhab position as well. This is the position of the Ahnaf, okay, Rahmatullah ala jamia. Um. And I tell you what, this is Sheikh Muhammad Mukhtar, and this is Muhammad Mukhtar Shakti's opinion, and this is also Sheikh Al Uthameen's opinion. This is Sheikh Al Uthameen's opinion as well, okay? Just so that you know, and this is the class opinion. This is Sheikh Al Uthameen's opinion, Muhammad Mukhtar Shakti's opinion, and it's the class opinion. And it's the exact opposite to the humble opinion. Okay? The humble opinion is that, well, it's not the exact opposite, because the exact opposite will be the Shafi opinion, which is any touch. Yes, so this any 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 touch breaks the wudu. They're saying any touch doesn't break the wudu. Hamblies uh, are in the middle. I also want to say that I'm also in the middle, but that's irrelevant. Okay, what, what, what I'm upon is irrelevant. This is the class position and Sheikh Uthameen's position and Sheikh Muhammad Mukhtar Shankiti's position as well. I tell you what he also says, and I think this is really beneficial for us as students. Okay, he says that um, he says if someone says that this understanding of lems being sexual intercourse, if other companions have stated that it's not, what do we do? 
What do we do? Okay, for example, Ibn Mas'ud. Abdullah Ibn Mas'ud, he's no joke. He's also one of the masters of Quran. Okay, his speciality is the Quran. And he said that actually this lamps is not intercourse at all. All right, what do we do? He, Sheikh Uthameen says, he goes, if we have contradictions in the, or we have different statements amongst the companions when it comes to uh, uh, anything, he goes, we always uh, give precedence to the Khulafa al-Rashidin. This is big. This is this is yani fiqh now. Okay, he goes, "Qudim al-Khulafa ala ghairihim," because the Prophet ﷺ has given specific amr bi'tibaeen. He has specifically commanded us to follow them. Okay, especially the the uh, Abu Bakr Siddiq and Sayyidina Umar. Okay, and then after that, he ﷺ said, "Follow the way of al-Khulafa al-Rashidin, al-Mahdiin, those rightly guided, yani successors as well." So he goes. That's the first thing. Secondly, how can you put Abdullah ibn Mas'ud before the one who the Prophet ﷺ made specific dua for, that will Allah give him the understanding of the, the Qur'an? He then says, okay, then. someone says, no, 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 you've got to treat the companions the same. He goes, all right, then let's treat the companions the same. If we treated the companions the same in this issue, then we would have to then go back and say that what is the... What is the, uh, the basic position? The basic position is purity, isn't it? The basic position is purity, and you have to prove undoubtedly that you have broken my wudu with the touching of a woman. You have to prove. This is a technical point that he makes, but I mean, the issue that I was going to say is just the, the nice point about the live members, okay? Anyway, anyway. Uh, Jameel. Okay, then. so that's the position. So that technical point. Yes. Is that they can't pull through, prove that you've broken your rule. Therefore, you haven't broken your rule, even if you're Which is why it's not a very, you know, it's a technical point which can only be played after you've lost an argument you're not going to lose, which is what? That the companions are all the same, which they're not. Does that make sense? It's like a throw, something to throw in a ring, last attempt or something like that. Reality is that no one's going to try and argue and say that all the companions are the same when it comes to the Qur'an. That's a big statement, or knowledge. We know that there are differences amongst the companions. Some are top scholars, some are just companions, which is enough, of course. But when it comes to issues of knowledge, we give precedence to people who are experts and, and so on. So... Um, also, you know, I want to just mention something which is topical. The issue of Aisha radiallahu anha, that, you know, the way that uh, her cousin, uh, her nephew spoke to her, and obviously, you know, at the moment with this whole Janet Jamshed thing uh, going on, that he's getting so much heat for, and, or he got heat for, about he disrespected Aisha radiallahu anha, and that uh, he was speaking about her in a way that was, you know, unbecoming or this and that. I'll be honest with you, I still haven't seen the original. I don't, I don't want to see the original. But I can tell from the, the video that he uh, recorded um, that this is purely a political issue. This is pure politics. This is, the, you know, the Brillos back home in Pakistan putting a whole load of pressure, Shia pressure, Rafidi pressure, and making him having to say statements because the kind of people who are involved are, you know, uh, 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 making statements as if, Allah, oh, have you made some big sin? Make a big sin. And he's talking about Aisha radiallahu anha in a way. You see, you have these people, they want to use... They want, they, they're speaking to an audience who want Aisha radiallahu anha to be their example in everything female. That's what they are. They are religious people. And so if you would say to them that it was shown at Princeton or at Yale that ex-women respond like this and women speak, they'd say, oh, you're going to the kuffar and blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm saying? They, they want to know from our women that there's the hadith, what's the Quran say and so on. And then once you use the hadith and Quranic examples, then they start to say, oh, you're not treating her respectfully and blah, 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 which is nonsense, which is nonsense. Yani, to try and describe uh, Aisha radiallahu anha, she herself comes, she's not yani, some boring standard uh, mold of a woman. She's an amazing woman, she's a top scholar, she is, from, she's the, she is the beloved wife of the Prophet the mother of believers, and deserves all the respect that Allah gives her and that we would give for our own mothers. That doesn't mean that when we talk about women having certain feelings, having certain tendencies, or whatever, that she doesn't have them in it. That's just, that's just talking nonsense. 
Like as if she's not. That's to say that she wasn't jealous. Of course she was jealous. That she didn't get angry. Of course she got angry. That she didn't uh, uh, play around with the Prophet ﷺ, joke around with the Prophet ﷺ, say things to try and hide her embarrassment, shame. There's no problem in saying words like shame and embarrassment and whatever. These are the human level. These are not deficiencies in a human's character. This is the normal, you know, she didn't want to say it was me who the Prophet ﷺ kissed. So she said, you know, it was some of his wives. Yeah, I mean, not even, yeah, and subhanAllah, that's like a, that's like a black, isn't it, really? Unless he and she knows for definite that there are other wives that he has kissed, okay? He's even, she's even included other wives into the game. And Abdullah bin Zubair, uh, Urwa bin Zubair is straight in there. He goes, I think I know who you're referring to. And then a guilty smile. What kind of smile is it? And it was, so are we not, am I not allowed to say there was a guilty smile? Because I'm reading into the word that she smiled, that it's not guilty. A guilty smile is only, is, is only not possible if she says, no, actually, it wasn't me at all. Smiled and said to him, uh, smiled and said to him, uh, what's your position? What's your mouth, young man? Okay, it wasn't me. It was other thingy. But I like your point. So it's not a guilty smile. It's a different type of smile. But the fact that she remained and smiled, it was an indication and an admission that yes, it was me that this was talking about. Actually, we know because other narrations have made it clear that she was that was that person as well. Yeah, and so yeah, you know, like I said, I want you to be comfortable that the issue of disrespect is a very clear one. You will know straight away when there's something disrespectful. And laughing and smiling at examples of male and female deficiencies in the sunnah is not something which is haram or kufr the way that people make it out to be. And that this thing that happened was nothing but political and just full of nonsense, and as most of these kind of things are. And also the uh, uh, videos that came defending uh, Jalil Jamshid, also a waste of time. People coming up and making videos and saying that, you know, oh, forgive him. Forgive him for what? You should forgive him and this stuff. Forgive him for what? They, they, they're falling for the same propaganda. You know, or find, find out and uh, look, at, look at what happens with Noor and forgive him. Forgive him what? Make a video about forgiveness and don't tell us about Jannah Jamshid, any miskin. You're just following along the same narrative. It's wrong, 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 wrong. Anyway, so what are we, where are we now? Okay, let's, uh, then uh, the second part is, or, or what? What is the second part of the text? Or he touches her? Or, or she touches him? No. About touching a woman, a woman or her touching him because of sexual desire. And so therefore, um, Sheikh says, what's the evidence for that? He goes, Qiyas, and uh, deductive analogical reasoning, okay? Because if she does that, uh, uh, if he touches her and he breaks his wudu, then likewise, her touching him will also be the same. And this is what normal, uh, obvious point. He goes also, this is interesting. He goes, according to this, if a woman wants to touch another woman, this is where it gets all crazy now, okay? All right. If a woman wants to touch another woman because of desire, the wudu is not broken. Okay? Because according... I caught because according to this, the woman is not the place for desire when a woman, another woman is touching. It's only another man who should be uh, uh, you know in this sense it's obviously rubbish. Okay? And as Sheikh Uthameen says, he goes, if a woman touches another woman and there is desire, then it should be the wudu should break. Because their illa is the same. And he goes, unfortunately, you find from some women that they have a, a desire. And Sheikh Uthameen says, Bishabat, yani with young women. Okay, you have some women who have sexual desire for other young women. He goes, as you also find the men, that they also have a sexual desire for young males. He goes that this is obviously a disease, of course. But as long as the desire is there, if they touch one another, then the wudu is broken regardless of gender. And that is not the humbly position, but that is the correct position. It is, of course, the class position. It doesn't matter who you touch, but if there is sexual desire, then the wudu is broken. And also, also, talking about now... Yeah, anyway... Okay. 
We can go on to the next one. No, there's going to be a surge in a second, and we're going to lose the connection pretty soon. It's the weather. Did you just say that you're going to lose the connection pretty soon? Correct. Yeah. Can you lose this connection any more than it's already been lost, yeah, by the, the way? The weather, the weather. Yeah, and is it, is, is it humanly possible? It's the weather, the weather. The weather, the weather. Yes, yes. Yeah? Should we, should we not even do number six now? Okay. Okay, yes, all right. Okay, let's do some Q&A, no problem, inshallah. Okay, we'll stop there. I think some people are tired. Yes, say again. The class position was? Yep. Even if there's sexual desire. Even if there's sexual desire. So, so let me just make it clear what that means, okay? The class position, which is the third position, which is a position of the Hanafi Madhab and a position of a number of the companions, is that touching a woman or woman touching a man regardless does not break the wudu, regardless of desire or not, what part of the body or not, as long as what? There is obviously no sexual emission. There's no emission of any fluid or anything like that. Okay, so the, just the desire by itself with no actual resultant effect, then the wudu is not broken. Yes. However, right at the end, yes. Okay, very good. Sorry, Jazakallah I should have added that. Okay, so when I said about a male touching a male and a female touching a female, etc., etc., breaking wudu, Sheikh Uthameen is, is explaining if you are a humbly, this is what you should be. As for him, and he's going to say it a little bit later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's going to say it a little bit later, actually. I'm, I'm, because I'm a few pages ahead, I'm seeing what he's going to say, and I should have made that clear. He himself doesn't believe it either way. He goes, whoever touches whoever, if there's no sexual desire, it's all straightforward, innocent human touches, then nothing's happening, everything's good. But if anyone, according to the Hanbalis though, if they're going to say that a man touches a woman, a woman touches a man and it breaks wudu, then they've got to say also, they've got to, according to their own reasoning, they've got to say that a man touches a man or a woman touches a woman also breaks wudu by their own reasoning. It has to be, otherwise there's a contradiction in their own Methodology makes sense, yeah. And so all of the statements throughout this uh, chapter now remaining that are going to be talking about this, he's going to be speaking as on behalf of the madhab. But he himself is like you know this could quietly put it in there that I'm of the opinion that you know none of this touching breaks the madhab, uh, the wall. All right, questions? <laughs> this doesn't look like a question. <laughs> this does not look like a question. This looks like trouble. <laughs> Bob's pick up that thingy. The uh, right online. What, what, what we got? Anything here? Yes. Surah Al-Maida. Yes. Yes. So we have two companions or both experts in the Quran. Yes. Yes. On the meaning of that word. Yes. Yeah. So what's the? What do we take from that? Because Allah could have made it explicit. He didn't. Yep. Hence the, the disagreement there amongst two people who are experts in the area. So what do we take from that in terms of interpreting it in translation? You mentioned the brackets there, mm. which is one interpretation. Yes. What are the other interpretations? Yes. Uh, it's a good question. Uh, Shazad basically saying, the Nash Shazad, the proper Shazad, the Dr. Shazad, yeah, not the other disaster one, yeah, okay. No, no, okay, no, that's not the, that's the not superstar Shazad. All right? Um, basically, the ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala intentionally did not include, for example, a word that would have made it clearer, okay, with ayah desire or intercourse or whatever, whatnot. And resultingly, two prominent senior companions, okay, have differed over its meaning. Is it referring to intercourse or not? What do we take from that? Well, first of all, yes, the, fir the first, the first uh, benefit is that it does allow, as we've always said in fiqh, for that flexibility and allows them for the possibility of different opinions and to also respect other people's interpretations. It doesn't mean that both are correct. Let's make that very clear. It's not right for me to say that I believe that it's correct to, for it to be intercourse and to I say that it's possibility of it being, yeah? And I follow this position because of X, Y, Z, blah, 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 blah. And then I also accept that you could follow the other position plus because of X, Y, Z, and you must have your own evidences. The, the great thing about the fact that the verse does not make it clear is that we will not make takfir of this guy, tafsiq of this guy, say to him that you've destroyed Islam if he didn't make wudu after such an incident. We'd say he's following a different opinion and it's a valid opinion and that's very important for the development of our 
polemic and for our school and discussion. That's one uh, benefit. The other benefit, of course, I mean, for uh, or the other point I would make, sorry, is that when it comes to Quran translation and it comes to any translation, there is a huge desire, okay, to translate it as a final product, okay. Now, I can understand that in like when I translate stuff from Arabic, I always translate uh, artistic, what's the word, with artistic license. Poetic license, artistic license, whatever. Meaning that I'm not interested, I don't believe in literal translation. I'm not interested in that at all. I will translate, I will change meanings of words, grammar, this, that, so I produce something which represents what was being said. Unless it's the Quran. Why? Well, actually, uh, it, 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 logically, it shouldn't matter what I'm doing with the Quran because English is a disaster and it's not going to represent the Quran anyway. So it doesn't matter whether I do, theoretically speaking, it doesn't matter whether I. Uh, try to translate it accurately or not, it's never going to be the Qur'an. That's why you'll see in some of the Qur'ans, it's called the interpretation of the meanings of the Qur'an in English. And that is scholars being ultra, ultra careful to not say the Qur'an in English, okay? But frankly, it doesn't matter if someone did say the Qur'an in English, it's never going to be the Qur'an in English, okay? But yet, no one does poetic license, or few people do, yeah? It's very much the, not the done thing. There's a sense of reverence when it comes to the Book of Allah that we don't mess around with it. But it's very difficult not to if you have certain opinions. Or it's very difficult not to when you want to release a translation and you want to clarify a number of doubts. And the problem with the one that we just saw, the famous one, the blue one, the Novel Quran, the world famous one, Muhammad Muslim Khan, is that there's a lot, lot of huge, lot of great intention behind it. It's one that's meant to stop shirk, it's meant to stop yani, secularism, it's meant to stop and all this nonsense in the world, and so therefore, there's a lot of interpreted, interpreted meaning. Very rarely does it come out into the text. He will always keep it in brackets, okay? But that itself is a problem. First, it makes it really difficult, ugly to read, okay? And secondly, it's very difficult for a reader to not, to, to, uh, to ignore a bracket. If it says touch, and then it says bracket, sexual intercourse, I respect at least he had some academic credibility in not actually putting it as part of the text. But he's made it clear that this is his yani interpretation, or maybe this is the only interpretation, and so on. And most people don't know when they're reading it, they don't know. So, is this a major problem? Well, you can't blame them because obviously he's following a scholarly position. And I have to say that Muhammad Muslim Khan, if you were to follow the meanings of the brackets, most of them are correct. Most of them are actually correct. But he is imposing his opinion upon everyone else, and it'd be nice. And that's why people enjoy which translation? This, uh, um, what's his name? Abdul Halim, Professor Abdul Halim, Oxford translation. It's very nice, very few brackets, very, Professor Abdul Halim just reads nicely and uh, it's, uh, you know, it's good. I, I like it, it's all right. But still, he also, but he, I have to say, does a little bit of poetic, yani kind of, you know, has a bit of freedom and does a few things here and there. But generally, he sticks faithfully to the text and he puts it into a form of English which is read, but he doesn't mess about. So, for us, as a point of study, it's a significant point as students of knowledge to know that it exists, that we've got to be careful about what's in brackets. And yes, we think that this is the correct position. It's a position of the Ibn Abbas at the end of the day. But still, it'd be nice to not have it imposed. If you want to impose, put it in footnotes, put numbers instead. It's a bit, you know, a bit too much. Anything, any other questions? Okay. <laughs> because we have in a throwback to the to the glory days of of year one we have a a a petition a appeal an appeal to reconsider the international sign for for nudges now this is in your interest is that because obviously with with anfield the yani, with, with the with the liverpool the yani thing currently yani, holding that yeah currently holding that position and holding on to it pretty strong i would say okay <laughs> I mean, doing a great job of representing Najasa internationally. Although I have to say, I was willing them to score. And, and Gerard's free kick was one of the best you're going to see this year. Admit it, Abu Dhar. Don't let your hate, don't let your hate for the Scousers, for the enemy, yani stop you from being just. It was an awesome free kick. Okay? Shut up, you. Okay? Stop picking on Liverpool. Anyway, it has been proposed. By, of course, none other than Naveed, our resident proposer. Yep. That international symbol for Najis should be BMW. But not just, not BMW completely. 
This is why I like this yani, proposal. But BMW that are less than three years old. <laughs> you see, I like that. Okay. Why? Okay, this is dude, this is not a joke, this is not handwritten note. This is proper prepared yani, system. We don't mess about here, this logical progression. Only Shazad messes about, okay? Everyone else doesn't mess about. We do our job properly. Alright? Okay? Right. Why? Number one, overpriced elegance. I think it is the <laughs> I think it is the modern version of men wearing silk in Islam. <laughs> that is excellent. That's absolutely excellent. Oh my god. I'm just about to, to close on a deal for one of these, by the way, okay? So you just want to just take this back. It's a poser's car, number two. Number three is un it's, it's unreliable, not unreliable, okay? You, you and your spelling, doesn't, right? Number four, most owners think they have the right of way on the roads at all times. That's part of the, the, the that's what you pay for, bro. Okay? Number five, owners seem to think, owners seem to think that they have an M BMW just because they paid silly money for some stick-on M parts without getting the real thing. <laughs> And many are bought on finance, far too expensive for what they are. Oh, and by the way, please don't think if you own an iPhone 6 or 6 Plus on monthly finance that you are in the clear. I will be dealing with this issue in a few weeks. Mm. Brave man, brave man who will take on iPhone that brought the best ever experience of logical progression that none can doubt. But I have to say, it is well presented. I think that it could be any, something which could be considered. I certainly will, you know, I, I agree with a number of these points. I think this is well presented. Right. Okay then. Um, we have some, my goodness me. All right. Yeah, I guess it's a topical, so let's, let's, deal, let's deal with this. Two questions. Um, a lot of our young people, the boys, Muslim, attend and are part of a local church football club. However, for them to be on the team, they have to attend service every week. They don't have to take part. I'm worried eventually that some may leave Islam because I know that the church leaders that run it, mashallah, they're very genuinely nice and approachable people. So there's no actual question in there, but I'm guessing, you know, they're saying that what should it be? Well, they should be involved in the masjid alternative. Listen, you know me, okay, I have this idea of what, that we have to be practical and to be part of interfaith here and there and so on and so forth is good. And to be involved in the community is even better. We need to make these kind of partnerships and so on. But when it comes to yani, people uh, who are young and getting involved yani, in, a, in, a, in a deep way, such as where they're establishing a relationship and so on, especially with very, very nice people compared to Muslims who are the most yani, worst people on the planet, yeah, okay, then that is something which is dangerous. And I wouldn't advise this at all. I wouldn't, especially if they're going yani, to somewhere where they're being, you know, treated well and so on and so forth. It's a risk that's no need. No need. And so, no, I would, I'm not happy with this at all. And, uh, I don't, and any offence that is shown by people pulling out, it, so be it. It's not offensive, it's not intentionally offensive. It's that, you know what, our local mosque has one as well. And, um, and if it doesn't, then the masjid should be approached with this information and said that your lack of organizing a football thingy has created this situation. So I hope that you will take responsibility because we will make sure that you take responsibility on a Friday after the football. We'll just make it clear that these also people didn't yeah, they do this. And uh, it's very nice to see that the trustees care about the community and letting church yeah, and doing some kind of, you know, the alternative, whatever. Next one. I'll be attending an interfaith Christmas dinner, all halal turkey. What are the limits? I've been told that they would have Christmas hats and crackers and not sure about the alcohol. Obviously, this is going to, the reason I answered that is because that's going to be something topical for many people over the next um, few weeks. So there's, this is a detailed issue and there's a number of problems here because the first thing is, is that is Christmas a religious festival or has it been completely taken over by secularism and therefore it's just another commercial kind of event that has no religious symbolism whatsoever. That's a fundamental point which answers most of the questions. The problem is, is that it's very difficult to, 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 to deprive Christmas or to strip it of its religious symbolism. And I want to make it clear that it's not just religiosity or the religious aspect of a festival that's a problem. 
The word the Prophet used is the word Eid, that the Muslims do not have any Eids other than the two Eids. The word Eid is referring to a day which yani comes from the word that comes back. When it's taken as an Eid, it means something which is regular, set and always returns. So whatever happens, Christmas is in that bracket, okay? Um, that doesn't mean that every single date and anniversary, therefore, that comes back is a problem if it has no religious or no uh, meaning, uh, no societal, earthy, custom meaning, but you're on dodgy ground. Now, Christmas still has its religious uh, function. People do generally consider that you go to part of Mass or not as part of the completion of the Christmas event. And so therefore, I would advise from being very careful about calling something a Christmas dinner. Now, yes, it might be an issue of semantics if you call it the end of year dinner, annual dinner, and so on and so forth. Um, but I do believe that there is a material difference. I believe that if someone is doing that early in the beginning of the year, as a, at, the, at the beginning of the month, as opposed to the actual end of the month, then I'm not so strict against it. I think that if the non-Muslims wear their own kind of stuff and do their own kind of thing, I think that that's something which is not a major problem. Alcohol, uh, of course, as long as you're not getting involved in that kind of uh, in that kind of uh, uh, festivity, um, I personally think that that one should avoid it out of safety. But if you have to go and do it, if you can't avoid, you can't uh, arrange an alternative. I've always said that people should take charge and arrange alternatives. Okay, I've always been talking about that. That Muslims need to put hands in their pockets and say that you will take on and you will pay for an alternative or discount something with a with a local joint, you know, in a halal restaurant, which they will blatantly prefer their food over their own, and it's called turkey bakwas anyway, yeah, right? So, you know, it's something better and at a different time to show that, you know, that my getting involved was not me because I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm a Scrooge or I'm a humbug, yeah, and it was because I don't like this time of the year and I don't have this kind of affiliation that you do. But if a person gets into this, from a work point of view, where they feel that it's going to work, it's going to detract from their position or cause some kind of problem, then I believe it is permissible to go and that person should do the minimum involvement. Alcohol, of course, is not permissible at a table. It is permissible to eat in a place that serves alcohol. There is nothing which is, I don't say nothing, it's not great, but as long as alcohol is not upon your table, then technically speaking, it is permissible to eat in that place. It is, of course, unbecoming of a Muslim to be frequenting such places. One off for a reason, it is permissible to eat in that location. On your table, impermissible at any time, in any location, unless Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts someone in a position which they weren't expecting or they can't get out of. So that's generally uh, what it is. If it's a work, very, very sensitive situation, then fine. Otherwise, uh, it should be avoided. And this one suggests it's like, you know, interfaith, church, local group. That's because that. Interfaith one? <laughs> I'd say yani, interfaith. Let's, let's hold interfaith for a couple of months. Let's do it again yani, next year in spring when the weather's good. Yeah, Allah. Anything, anything on there? No? Good? All right. Zakamullah khair, everybody. Thank you for hanging on. Oh, sorry, sorry. Guys, we're going to think um, online as well? Or? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, okay. All right, guys. Zakamullah khair. We're just doing a little local thing here. Um, Summit people. See you guys next week, inshallah. Uh, subhanakallah.